I'm excited to be here with you, excited to open the Word together, excited to celebrate communion. I'm excited I got my new contacts, so that was cool. The only downside, we normally wear glasses, is I've, I've tried to adjust my glasses like five times this morning when they're not on my face. So if you notice that, I'll be all cool about it. You probably won't even notice, I'll just play it off, but if you do, just ignore it, just, I got new contacts. So now that we're in a nice spirit of worship and I've derailed that, I'd like to bring us back into a spirit of worship if uh, you don't mind I would love to pray before we open up the word together. Will you bow your head with me? Father, what a privilege to come before you this morning. God, thank you for this opportunity. We, as your kids, as your family, get to celebrate together, get to sing to you, get to celebrate communion. And God, as always, we thank you for the gift of communion and the reminder that it is. We don't deserve anything. We are inadequate. We have failed, but you sent your son to die for us. We could be forgiven because he paid the penalty on our behalf. Father, we celebrate that as I stand up here. And I stand up here fully aware that I am inadequate for the task to speak your words. But yet we trust in faith because of communion, because of the gospel. God, that you send your spirit with us, that you empower us, that you speak to us. And God, I pray that this morning, that the people would hear from you by your spirit and in the name of Christ, amen. We are continuing the series of Luke, This Changes Everything. Kind of last week, Pastor Rick kicked us off with Jesus' public ministry. You know, we had all the kind of infancy narratives. He's a little boy and then finally kind of baptism And then he launches into his ministry of proclaiming and preaching, kind of healing many, casting out demons along the way. And now Jesus is going to make another crucial move in his ministry that will become vital to his ministry. He's calling his first disciples. So he has a ministry of preaching, and most of his time and his ministry is pouring into these guys so they can continue on this message. And we're going to watch the calling of them, most importantly, You see the calling of Peter in this passage. I mean, he is going to lead the apostles. Look, I was raised Catholic. Peter was a big deal. You know, we're going to look at the calling of Peter. Without getting into all of that, I mean, you can't acknowledge the influence that this man had. So we're going to watch the journey of Peter. I want to look at that together. Because we can kind of look up to these men as they're otherworldly. The journey that Peter goes on in these 11 verses we're about to read is the journey that God calls all of us on. And I want to look at that together, this journey of Peter. Because he didn't start off as the great leader of the disciples, the apostles. He started off a regular dude like you and me. You see, even the passage, he's a blue-collar guy. He works the third shift. He works the night shift. But look what God did through him because he decided to take this journey. So watch that as we look at this passage together in Luke 5. So we're going to turn to the Word of God. This is Luke 5, and we're going to pick it up right at the beginning, verse 1. Follow along as I read. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the Word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But their fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out from the land. Now, real quick, you see that lake of Gennesaret? It's just in different regions. They would call it different things. But this is at the Sea of Galilee. So here Jesus at the Sea of Galilee is beginning to preach. 
but he's preaching and getting so popular that people are just crowding around him that he can't even preach. And I totally get that feeling. You know, every time I preach, people just flock. I'm not kidding. This is Jesus. It doesn't happen to me. So but the thing, why does he do that? So they can't even hear the word. So he gets in Peter's boat, here called Simon. And so he gets in Peter's boat so more people could hear him. You ever notice the acoustics of that? You ever go on a lake and you could hear people like clear across the lake? You know, Jesus was intentionally using that to project his message. The same reason why we use microphones and speakers so that message could go further. So that's what's happening. Jesus to preach gets out on Peter's boat and continues on with his message. It said, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. So hopefully you caught some of the journey that Peter went on. One of the reasons the Bible's confusing is everybody goes by different names. So hopefully you caught that Simon is the one that becomes Peter. He referred to as Simon Peter. And in that, Luke is trying to show us that Peter is going on a journey. Because kind of up to this point, he only calls him Simon. Then right here in the midst of this story, he calls him Simon Peter. Then after that, Luke only calls him Peter unless he's quoting from somebody else. Luke is signifying to us that Peter is changing. Everything is changing for Peter. You even hear that in Jesus' words. He says, from now on. Some translate that, henceforth, Peter, your life is gonna be radically different. Everything is changing for you. What is the journey that he went on? As we look at where he ended up, and we gotta first to understand the journey, look at where he began. So where did Peter and Jesus begin. Now, hopefully you're here last week and you caught Pastor Rick's message. So Peter and Jesus already knew each other. One of the healings that Jesus did was Peter's mother-in-law. So where does Peter stand with God? See, Peter is the guy. He likes God. He's a fan of God. I mean, he listens to him preach. He likes to hear the word of God. He believes in God. And when things get tough, he turns to God and asks for help. And whose boat was Jesus preaching from? Simon's. He's preaching from Simon Peter's boat. And so Peter even helps Jesus out, you know, throws a little in the plate every now and again, tries to serve and do some good things. I mean, let's put this in our context. Peter, he believes in God. When things get really desperate, he turns to God and pray. He maybe even prays before meals, likes God. He's a fan of God. And whenever it's convenient, he even serves and gives a little. Peter is a fan. And that's a fine place to begin. But if you notice, that is not where Peter ends in this story. You can begin as a fan, just please don't stay there. That's a horrible ending point. 
When Peter began as a fan, somebody who just likes to go to church, when I first read this, the end of the verses, I thought it was just kind of wrapping up this section. These are not throwaway verses. Did you hear where Peter ended up? He went from just a fan who kind of goes to church sometimes to their boats get to land. They left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Now remember what's going on here. So they were out fishing all night. Peter wasn't on like a guy's weekend trying to catch some bass through the night. Peter owned a fishing company. He was a fisherman by trade. So here he is, and even it said there's other boats. It looks like he had numerous boats. I mean, he probably was starting up some franchises, Peter's Fishing Company, you know. I mean, he had a whole business. What happens to that business? He doesn't sell it. He doesn't even close the doors. He leaves all that and follows him. It didn't say Peter was like, man, I should start following Jesus. Well, let me get my things in order. Let me sell my boat, sell my nets. Soon as I get that on eBay, Jesus, I'm with you. I mean, he just literally leaves his boats and nets. I mean, how expensive that would have been. I mean, does somebody end up stealing them? What happened to them? He doesn't care. He goes all in and leaves everything to follow Christ. Not just the boats. What was in the boats? What just happened? Peter just caught the biggest catch of his life and doesn't cash it in. I mean, Peter's staring at a winning lottery ticket, drops it to follow Jesus. I mean, that's the situation here. Because he is so all in. Paul will later say it this way. You know, I count all things as rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. So now here he is, cares so much about, you know, the making money and catching fish and all this. And then he finally gets everything he thinks he wanted and he doesn't care about it in the least once he understands the beauty of knowing Christ and he goes all in and decides to follow him. He takes the journey from just a fan of God, believes in God, to a devoted follower of Christ. A book was written, I think at this point now, a couple years ago, and I wanna kind of pick up on that illustration. The book was entitled, Not a Fan. Completely committed follower. And he kind of lays out this idea. So what happened in the story? Jesus is preaching to the crowds. But then he calls Peter out of the crowds. Peter is a fan. And that's a fine place to start. But don't stop there. What God is looking for is followers fully devoted to him, not people that go to church sometimes, serve sometimes, and do a little bit of things for God. Jesus wants devoted followers of Christ. That is the call in light of what we just did and what we just celebrated of who Jesus is. He sent his son to die for you. Does God deserve anything less than all of you and your full commitment and devotion? You know what the problem is? Is fans always think they're followers. There's times in my life where I know I was distinctly in the fan category, on the sidelines, in the bleachers, and I would have told you I was a follower. So I want to look at this story, and I want to help you understand, you know, where are you at? Because this is important. This isn't just for Peter. This is a journey all of us are called to. Are you a fan or a follower? Let's look at the difference. Fans have a general belief in God. Followers have a personal relationship and faith in Jesus. Even the title sometimes is a giveaway. See, when I was just a fan of God, I would just always refer to God in general. You know, as a follower now, you know, I follow Jesus. Jesus is my God. You know, are you much more comfortable just talking about God generically? 
Or do you believe and have a faith in Jesus, a daily walk with him, not a belief in him? Here's a big problem. So many of you, so many fans, I'm not coming at you, I'm just saying so many of us, we think we're okay because we believe in God. You think, no, I believe in this. I believe in the gospel. I believe you just died for me and you think you're okay. Believing in that gets you nothing. Do you understand that? Even the demons believe. Yeah, but we just feel so comfortable. Like, you're a Christian. Yeah, I believe Jesus rose from my sins. I believe Jesus died for my sins, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Jesus died and rose again. I believe that. So what? Believing that doesn't get you anything. Now, again, you have to start there. You need to believe in that. But if that's all that you have is just a belief, I believe Jesus died for my sins. Okay. You need to have faith in that. Do you, have you trusted in that? Not just believe it happened. Even the demons believe. So do you just have a general belief in God and maybe in that he died for your sins or have you put your faith in that, trusted in that? Look at this one. You know, as a fan, God is a, you want God to be a part of your life. As a follower, you give him your whole life. See, so much of my life, I was just a fan. I had a little God box and I wanted God to be a part of my life. That sounds like a good thing. Don't you want God to be a part of your life? But the problem is, I underlined it for you. It was just a part. You had a little God box on Sundays. I mean, God didn't really speak into your work life. He didn't really speak into your budget. He didn't really speak into your relationships. You know, you go to church and maybe, hey, God, I'll catch you at the next meal. We'll pray again. But that's kind of it. You have the, your little category for God. And you maybe hear people say, you know, get in the church thing, but don't get out of hand with it. Don't go overboard. But the problem is that's exactly what God calls us to do, to go all in. And again, it's, God's a part of your life. As a fan, when I was a fan, I want a relationship with God. I just want it on my terms. How arrogant is that? I want the God of the universe to come down on my terms. I had a very selfish faith. I can spot that because guess what? The second I didn't get what I wanted, I was so mad. God, how did you not give me this? Even at church, you could be selfish. Like, man, you know, I, I, I don't like this song or I don't like this preacher. I'd rather Rick be up. I can't believe he's up here. If that's you, you have bad taste and get out of here. I'm just kidding. I'm fine, stop it. <laughs> but truly, right, don't you? You know, you just get selfish. It's all, you don't get things your way and you get all mad as if your relationship with God is supposed to be on your terms. And you keep God in a little box and he doesn't speak into any other area of your life. Problem is God wants the whole thing. God wants you to live your work for him, your budget for him, your relationships for him, his way for him and through him. That's what a follower is and that's what God asks of us. What about this one? You know, as a fan, I had very private beliefs. As a follower, God calls me into a public faith. As a fan, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. This is just my belief and I just kept it private and this was just my beliefs and I don't want to project it on anybody else. But as a follower, God calls us to a public faith to share Jesus with people, not just keep this as my own little private thing. I like this last one because I think it was really pertinent in this story. As a fan, I tried to agree with God. I tried to understand God. The only problem as a follower, that's not what God's looking for. God wants me to obey him. But I would always want to try to agree with him. I try to understand it. And this is, I really think, you know, the crux of the story, the crux of Peter's journey. I mean, to really understand this, you gotta think how silly this would have sounded to Peter. Now, remember the context, who we got here. So Peter is a professional fisherman. 
He owns a business in fishing. Jesus the carpenter comes and tells him how to fish. Like, oh, that's cute, Jesus. You had a nice sermon, but I'm the fisherman, you're the carpenter. You know, if you want me to build a little deck for the fish, I'll ask you, but why don't you leave the fish to me? And Jesus, not only outside of a profession, tells him to go fish when it doesn't make sense. There's a reason Peter was fishing when he did. That's when you could catch fish. And he's asking about in a time of day that it would be stupid. This was a stupid thing of Jesus to ask Peter. It would have made no sense to him. But what happened? He says, you know what? I don't understand this. I don't even agree with what you're asking me to do. I'm tired. They fished all night. But you know what? I'm gonna do it because you tell me. I'm gonna obey and follow. One of my favorite verses, Proverbs 3, 5. Many of you know it, particularly the first part. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, we love to, te- fans and followers both hold to the, this part, right? I mean, do you believe that? Do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? Raise your hand. It's not a trick question. Get your hand, you're sp- all supposed to have your hand up for this part. Right? You know, I, hey, I trust in God. You know, the second part is, and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust God always, even when it doesn't make sense to you, and when you don't understand what God's asking you to do, you do what he says, not what, you, what makes sense to you. And I see this all the time, and this is where fans and followers begin to separate. Relationships. I get this one all the time. I mean, it's so, I'm not looking to judge you, I'm just trying to, I mean, so common now culturally, you know, before you get married, you should move in with somebody, you're sleeping together, you need to figure this out, and people come to me and sit and they want to get married or have you know, relationship problems. They want to say that, oh yeah, you want to trust God with this relationship? Yeah, we love God, we want to trust God. And I go, well, God says you shouldn't sleep together, you probably shouldn't live together, and then they go, yeah. And then I go, ugh. And they say, that's difficult. I say, yep. And here's the deal, right? Because it doesn't make sense to them. Like, yeah, I want to follow God, but that doesn't make sense, right? If I'm going to buy a car, I better test drive that car before I buy it. You know, got to make sure we're compatible. You know what? That actually makes sense to me. As much as I'm laughing at it, doesn't that make sense? If I'm going to give my life to this person, shouldn't I figure out if we're going to work it at work well together? I don't understand that. I don't agree. But the problem is, God isn't looking for me to agree with everything. He wants me to obey. He wants to be God and me to be the follower. Think of your budget. Great. The church is talking about money again. I love it. Look, I'm not talking about this selfishly. I'm not trying to get your money. Look, I don't make commission. It doesn't matter if you give more. It doesn't help me out. I don't get anything extra. I'm not trying to get anything out of you. But biblically, that's a huge thing. That's and not because it earns anything, it's just a litmus test. Okay, am I a fan or a follower? Do I really believe this? Because Peter is a fan, you know, just if I have a little extra, if it's convenient, you can have that. I had a good buddy of mine. He was a fan coming into marriage, and his wife was trying to follow Christ. And they get married. Probably should have talked about it before. But then they get married, and she goes, we're going to give 10% to the church. And he goes, what, what, what now? How, how much did how much you say? You know, he was a fan. I'm not against the church, but man, I don't want to. And he was trying to figure, he, it, that didn't make sense to him. So much of my life, you know, when I say that, well, yeah, I want to do this. I want to follow God. I like God, but man, I look at my numbers. It doesn't add up. That doesn't, I don't understand that. And I don't agree that man, that's how my money should go. 
But the problem is God isn't begging you and asking you to agree with him. He wants you to follow him, especially when it doesn't make sense. And some of that is the best obedience. You know, begrudging obedience is beautiful obedience. As you're called into being a follower, you don't even have to like it. Even if you're saying, man, this, I don't even want this, and you do it anyway, that is beautiful in God's eyes. I mean, I see this with my kids. You know, I mean, how many times I ask them to do something and go clean your room. It's not like I'm expecting like, thanks, Dad, for that opportunity. All right. You know, I mean, I don't expect that. I don't want any lit back either. But, you know, my favorite answer is just like, all right. Why? Because I know they didn't want to do that. But they did it because I asked them. They were doing it for me. There's few things more important, so I don't care if you're like, I don't want to do this, and you're begrudging, and it doesn't make sense to you, and then you do it anyway. That's magic. That is beautiful. And that's what a follower is. You don't try to understand everything with God and agree with him. God wants you to follow him and obey. So where are you at? As you look at those lists, as you think about those lists together, are you more of a fan? Yeah, you have a general belief in God. You go to church sometimes. You try to help out if it's convenient. Or are you all in and committed that God is in a box in your life, that you're gonna live for him and get in the ride, that you're gonna stop? I mean, picture that. You know, They're in the shallow end, splashing around, and God, Jesus, calls him out into the deep, says, push out, Peter. Come to the deep with me. Let's go on this ride together. Is that where you're at? And whatever God says, even if it doesn't make sense, you do it. Because he's God and you want to be a part of that. Are you a fan or a follower? If you're a fan, what are you waiting for? I mean, really, what are you waiting for? I'll hear people come in my office and they'll say, I want that. And I'll ask them that, what are you waiting for? I don't know. Like you're just waiting for some magical day for it all to just... It happens when you make that choice. Even the passage, I love how it started, said on one occasion. It was just a random day Peter thought he was going to work. Is this that random day where finally you say, I'm tired of just sitting in the stands, watching all of it and being a fan. I want in. I want a part of this. It happens when you choose it. There's nothing magical that needs to happen. But I know one of the things, you know, even Peter, he was tired. The timing didn't make sense. But when you be a follower, you don't wait on God. When you hear that call, you go. But some people, you know, I have doubts. Is, can this really be? Can I really trust him? Guess what? Peter had those same doubts. Whenever that catch comes in, look how shocked he is. Why? Man, I took a step of faith, but I can't believe he really showed up. Here's the problem why some of you will stay fans forever. You're saying, God, if you just prove yourself to me, then I'll believe in you. You have it backwards. That's not how the story went. Peter put his faith in God, and then God showed up. God isn't looking to prove himself to you if you're waiting for the day, you know, for God to show up, and then you'll put your faith in him. You have it backwards. Peter trusted him, took a step of faith, and then God showed up. And let me tell you, there is nothing, and I mean nothing, more exciting when God shows up in your life, and it will happen. If you take that step of faith, it may look different than you think. It looked different than Peter thought. 
It may not be what you think, but I promise you it will not be worse. The moment God shows up, can you imagine being on that boat? Being on that boat with Peter, who doesn't even want to be there, but took a chance and took a step of faith. Like, man, a stupid carpenter tell me how to fish. I'm out here. I was fishing all night, man. You're out here like, man, my wife wants me to go to a small group. I don't want these people are stupid. I don't even be here. And you're just begrudging, but you finally decide to take a step of faith. Like, man, I'm just, now I'm leading some stupid sixth grade boys Bible study, burping and farting the whole time. This is stupid. I don't even know why we're doing here. <laughs> take a mission trip. I'm eating all this weird food. But then you take that step of faith. You try it and you trust. I'm telling you, that moment when God shows up, you imagine being on that boat that first did we hit a snag? Like what? And he throws down his nets and all of a sudden, guys, 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 I got it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, did God just move the seas and show up because I took a step of faith? That moment, we're getting into recovery ministries and we talk about that people, addicts chasing that high. Look, there is no greater high in your life. I've done that where I'm afraid and I'm nervous, but I do it. I take a step of faith and God shows up it's like, oh my gosh. Like, did God hear my prayer and actually show up in this place? You will not regret it. There's nothing more exciting. And I get it, you're scared and you have doubts. But when you take that step of faith and God shows up, it's unreal. What happens in that moment? People are, you know, Peter's so afraid to risk all that. But when he sees Jesus, he doesn't care about any of it. He goes. None of that matters to him anymore because he has experienced God moving in his life. In that moment is when Peter finds his purpose. Jesus says, now you're going to be fishers of men. So here he is working another shift, toiling, washing his nets, trying to find purpose in his life. Is that you? You're just still toiling in this rat race of life trying to find your purpose. You're not going to find it until you go all in with your creator and he will give you your purpose. You won't regret it, I promise you. God will show up. I think one of the things that we're all afraid of that holds us back is we can feel unworthy. When God does show up and it blows Peter's mind, what does he say? Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Why would you choose me? God, I didn't even believe this would happen. I just took a step of faith. I'm just a regular guy. I'm a fisherman. You're God. Get away from me. Now, we know the back end of the story, and it's assumed, yeah, he's going to become Peter. In that moment, he didn't know that. I think in that moment, that was legit. Just, God, go, go get somebody else, because I doubt, I struggle. I'm not your guy. But the crazy thing is, it's in that moment when you feel useless to God is when you finally become useful and able to be used by him. Let's read this quote together. I think this is so awesome and it kind of sums it up. The thing that, makes, the thing that feels so important now becomes meaningless in light of who God is. What Peter does not realize is that admitting one's inability and sin is the best prerequisite for service. Then one depends on God. Peter's confession becomes his resume for service. Humility is the elevator to spiritual greatness. We know what a fan is. I'm sure we have a lot of fans in this room, in the crowd, but God, 
doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to call you out of that, to be a follower. What is a follower? It's somebody fully committed that even in the midst of your struggles that puts your faith in him. What is it God's calling you to do? Is there some step of faith that you know you've been waiting on? Stop waiting. Take that step of faith. Is there something that you've been disobedient in that you need to line up and get right? You will not regret it. Is it starting a Bible study? Is it jumping into something? I don't know what it is for you. But I know as a follower, that means you put your faith in action, take steps of faith and obedience. So a follower is somebody who is willing to obey and is simply humble enough to know that God shouldn't use somebody like me, but trusts in the gospel and puts his faith in him and moves forward. Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, I spent so much of my life as a fan God, just sitting in the stands, in some ways conveniently cheering you on, but just watching you move from the sidelines. But God, you want so much more of us. Like Peter, you call us out of the crowd, every one of us. God, you call us from the shallow end and you tell us to push out into the deep and get on a just adventure with you and trust you in faith. God, and I know with utter confidence, I don't know how you'll show up to steps of faith, but God, I know you'll move. And I want that. I want that in my life. So many followers, God, have let you go on the back burner of their lives. God, would they commit to being fully devoted to you because you deserve nothing less? So God, right now, God, I wanna give us the opportunity God, you are calling people out of the crowd right now and I know there's people sitting here knowing that they're a fan, that they are just sitting in the bleachers. God, today would be the day that they would choose you. If that's true of you, I just want to give you a moment to tell God that you are done just being a fan and you wanna become a follower. I wanna just give you a moment of silence to tell God that and make that decision if that's true of you. Father, we are humbled. Why would you ever use people like us? But yet that is what you say. And if we go all in with you, choose to be a fully devoted follower of yours, God, I can't wait to see how you're gonna show up and use that. That we would just lower our nets and allow you to fill them. In Jesus' name, amen.